Crock Elite, a podcast about no effects. Here we are back again on the Punk Rock Elite podcast. I'm Eddie French and I'm here with... Uh, Red Redmond, that is me. That's you, isn't it? Yes, good. How are you doing, Red? I'm very well, thank you. How are you, mate? I'm all right, thank you. Yeah, looking forward to uh, today's episode. I think it's going to be an interesting one. Absolutely. I'm really excited to talk to someone who works for a grassroots independent music venue in the UK that has uh, particular ties to the punk rock scene. Absolutely, yes. Uh, part of the furniture now, but in a cool way, like like a sofa with studs on it. I don't know. Uh, like, a, anyway, like, a, we... like a chair that's been put through a TV in a hotel room. Uh, hotel, cur, whatever, corporate boy. Oh, <laughs> you big sellout with your hotels. Honestly, this is a this is a sofa that 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 was made in a ditch. Um, no, that's crossed over into insulting, and we'd never do that because uh, we've got Paul Smith, who is the uh, director at New Cross Live, uh, the New Cross Inn in London, uh, B-Sharp promo and All Corners artist booking. And not to be confused with uh, the lead singer of Maximo Park. They are different people. Yep, not to be confused with the T-shirt guy. Or, or the, the that, that comedian from Liverpool, What Does Arenas? Oh, yeah, yeah. No, there are many Paul Smiths, but we have got our favourite one with us, the grassroots empresario. Empresario, sure, why not? I've said it now. <laughs> Lovely chat. Uh, we are recording this intro after we've had the discussion. I'm just breaking the tenses here all over the place, but um, <laughs> lovely. Really, 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 really good. Lots of interesting stuff to say and um, a couple of firsts for the podcast as well. Absolutely. Let's get to it. <laughs> Let's get straight to it. And as promised, we're here right now. Red and I are joined by Paul Smith, uh, director of the New Cross Inn. Hello, Paul. Hi, how are you doing? Good. Thank you so much for being here. Really appreciate it. Yeah, the pleasure is mine. Oh, that's it. Uh, for those of us not familiar, just give us a little uh, sort of potted history of, of yourself and your uh, place within the, the, the music scene, please. Uh, I'll try and keep it nice and short. But I started putting on gigs out of boredom in 2005, found a home at New Cross Inn in South London, and from 2016 went full-time there. And, uh, yes, running the diary out of that. And during COVID started a now what's become a little bit too much of a side project of a tour booking agency as well. So very much two full-time jobs whether it's promoting or booking tours. Do you know what? I've, I've just got you on LinkedIn right here. <laughs> so um, the uh, that would be uh, All Corners Artist Booking. That's the one, yeah. Well, uh, All Corners, okay. And also, you are officially Scar Kid at B-Sharp Promo. Yeah, so like, B-Sharp is my very specific like <laughs> promotional brand for the Scar and the Punk shows. <laughs> yeah, oh, okay. Scar is very much my thing. Do you know what? We've... Uh, of uh, all the guests we've interviewed so far, there is a uh, a thick scar vein running through it because uh, there's been you, there's been Chaz of Lightyear and Robin from Random Hand. There's not been a downstroke amongst you. <laughs> <laughs> it's lovely as well to talk to someone who works for... Um, I, I understand, is, would this be like an independent music venue? Is that Would that be correct? Yeah, as grassroots as they come, really. Like independently owned no not even as much as a brewery tire that's fantastic i mean I, i'm i'm lucky enough to work for uh, the lead mill here in sheffield where i sort of like run all of their 
uh, comedy promotion. And I, I started, I, I became a full-time promoter a similar time to you. Um, so how's the last few years been as the promoter of an independent venue? How, how was, you know, how was lockdown, dare I ask? I mean, it was, it was rough, <laughs> but, um, I mean, music venues trust saved Didn't everything they, yeah. really excited. We, we would have been in a right mess without them making sure that, um, the grassroots got their grants and could keep on, keep the lights on. Absolutely. Keep the I venue. Mean, our, our so, head booker at the time, um, has since moved on to work for music venues trust. And I, I know how instrumental they were in, uh, kind of keeping music venues informed throughout the lockdown with the various guideline changes, you know, a, a guideline would come out and then there'd be like a 48 hour period where we, the venues had to work out what those guidelines even meant. <laughs> Not the fondest of memories, Absolutely. but yeah, I mean, it's actually that the second it was allowed, we started doing socially distant seated events, et cetera, et cetera. Like as soon as it was allowed, we were ready to go. That's amazing. And and how how big's your team there down at the New Crossing? So there, we've got um, four full time promoters, including myself, and then someone that we've got two people on the admin side of things that also promote a little bit. But the main role with us is doing too much paperwork for me, which they <laughs> hate me for. That's fantastic. So uh, the tour booking thing that came about from the time not doing what you would would rather have been doing in lockdown is that. Uh... Exactly, exactly that. Like one of um, one of our former promoters, we'd spoken about it before because like, bands are forever asking us if we have any recommendations for decent agents to help them out. And then between in the period between everything was cancelled and there was literally nothing to do, we was like, let's use this time to set something up. And it started with eight bands. And now we've got 40-something on our books. It's gone a bit crazy. <laughs> Yes, I've, so I, I had a look at a list of them earlier. Um, also, I th- a faintest idea I oh, wow. uh, recognised. Um, I remember the name of, uh, and um, we are the union. Uh, they were on the yeah. books from what I remember as well. Some other, some great stuff going on. So um, that's massively impressive. It's that thing. Uh, I suppose I can't remember. It's been attributed to so many people, but that thing of if you can't find what you're looking for, make <laughs> it. That's pretty much it, really. Yeah, because I mean, it's obviously so many scar bands on there because hmm. no no one else is really going for it at the moment and you know we're myself and the bands will be laughing when the revival kicks in properly <laughs> this year Finally. But the next scar revival so yeah. <laughs> we won't talk about waves <laughs> we're hoping that we'll they'll still consider us allies when the time comes um Not quite fantastic so um as uh as I'm sure you're aware, this is a podcast predominantly about no effects. We use them as a prism, I suppose, to look at modern punk rock. How did you get into, uh, broadly speaking, punk rock and uh, ska, and uh, more specifically, no effects? What was that journey like for you? Um, I always remember it. I heard Green Day on the radio in 1995. Um, it was when I come around was getting radio play and I was 11 at the time and it was like nothing I'd really heard before. I was brought up in a very glam rock household. So I was used to guitar music, but it's yeah. like about Green Day and then punk rock by numbers in the mid nineties, really from then Offspring and Rancid 
obviously no effects. And then, yeah, I guess Scar come kind of like, well, Rancid mainly. Yeah. And then from there, like, you know, Boss Tones, Less Than Jake, Goldfinger, that sort of thing. Um, yeah. In a pre-internet era, for want of a better term, you know, it's all word of mouth, exchanging mixtapes with friends. I've just found this CD in some shop. It was all very nice and wholesome and organic back then. Yes. It was that kind of thing, the compilations and uh, stuff like that, you know, that's, uh, and so then that's just been, that's just been the furrow that you've plowed ever since. Yeah. I mean, I've, there's been music come and go, but nothing stuck with me like, yeah, punk rock, broadly speaking. Yeah. Amazing. Do you remember when you first heard No Effects? I do. It was a mixtape, like an actual cassette, you know, because it was oh, yeah. the style at the time. <laughs> As was the fashion of the age. Yeah, I think it was like a, a, potentially for my first girlfriend, I think it might have been, where she used her older brother's CD collection to impress me. And um, I think Leave It Alone was on that, which isn't my favourite, not my favourite no effect song. But then... Um, from that, I think she made me a tape of that Drublick one side and Son on the Pink all the shoes on the other side, and that was that. So long, yeah. So long is the one that really, really grabbed me as well. But um, yeah, that's uh, that's a that's a great double hitter of albums. Because I'm skipping over Heavy Petting Zoo, which can be a bit confusing the first time you <laughs> listen to it um, <laughs> without a sort of a broader context. But uh, okay. Yeah. That's- I, I didn't know that album was even out. I just thought it went from Drublick into Shoes. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I think for a while they were hoping. I'm, I mean, I've, I've noticed that uh, on none of the uh, uh, final 40 live dates, uh, uh, none of them are they playing Heavy Petting mm. Zoo in its entirety, whereas yeah. they're doing pre- pretty much everything else. So, um, you know, maybe maybe they're not so faffed. But um, let's. Uh, we've got a, a list of questions that we ask all of our guests. I'm going to ask uh, ask them to you. Um, we know that "Leave It Alone" is not your favourite, <laughs> but do you have a favourite No Effects song? It does change as it, you know, mm. that body of work. But "Dinosaurs Will Die" has to be right nice. up there. Oh, just because I remember where I was when I heard it, and it just blew my face off. Because it was a different sound to their previous stuff. It was a little bit more polished. I think a uh, better production. Um, yeah, I wasn't expecting that song to be as good as that, really. And no, it, it, it does that, stand that, out. That's a good age. Yes, absolutely. It also feels like a sort of a proper song, if you know what I mean. Yeah. It's not sort of like hardcore riff, little pause where one instrument does a thing for a couple of bars and then back in <laughs> and then... Rat, 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 and then you know, nearly a chorus. It's sort of one of those proper big songs, isn't it? You know, it's it's just yeah. very, between, very good. Between that and separation of church and skate, like, yeah. it'd probably be my favourite too. Just because it's much punk songs. Yeah, absolutely. That's uh, that's interesting that uh, neither neither of those favourites of yours uh, involve any scar at all. Well, no, I mean, I don't consider them a scar band so much, really. Uh-huh. You know? Although they've got the trumpet and the occasional proper scar punk song, I don't listen to them for the scar. But do yeah. you like? Do you enjoy uh, their, them when they do scar? Oh yeah, definitely do. Okay, 
We're just now just wondering because we were um, again we asked uh, uh, Robin of Lightyear about that as well, sort of saying, you know, is it because sometimes, in, certainly in their earlier records, when they're maybe not quite the musicians they are today, sometimes the scar bits can sound almost as if they're taking the piss out of that yeah. thing because you don't know whether they're playing sarcastically or just badly. <laughs> yeah. um, you, you know what I mean? So it's uh, it's difficult that way. But uh, yeah, no, that's it. Because uh, I think Robin was talking about uh, All Out Angst from uh, Shoes, which is uh, yeah. just a, a cracking little bit. And yeah, you could have found that, it, maybe with different lyrics, but you could find that on any contemporary Scar album at the time, I think. And, and it would be, uh, it would be, it would hold up. Yeah, exactly. Amazing. So, um, have you? Uh, I, I take it you've not um, you've not been able to work with no effects uh, in your uh, in your capacity in your profession because they're way beyond that size of a venue. Exactly that. Like I do tons of stuff with their booking agency, but that never comes. I've, I've not even asked because they know that I know better. It's like no effects have never really been yeah, one yeah, to do shows so much. In terms of UK dates in general, like they've done, I know they've done a couple Academy dates in the past, but even then I don't think it's been as a part of a wider tour. I think they're usually over to do a couple festival dates and then they'll do, you know, one or two larger shows in the UK. But unfortunately, there's yeah. not been one for intimate shows in the United Kingdom. Not this uh, century anyway. Yeah. Uh, it's normally two two thousand is a small show for them in London. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I have seen. Uh, I've got a, a bootleg I picked up in Affleck Palace in Manchester back in two thousand and one or two when I was at university. There was um, No Effects live in Edinburgh, and I think it must have been, um, it must have been the White Trash tour. Just I'm just trying to remember the set list. Um, yeah, there was no sort of linoleum or, you know, any any kind of that stuff. And it was a very, very small venue. The audience was able to get up on the stage with them. The stage was sort of, you know, a, less than a foot off the ground. It was one of those kind of Bannermans places. And that's, or something uh, like that, maybe. It wasn't. Uh, no, Bannermans has got a massive stage. Oh, really? So this one, it's quite, well, Bannermans is quite high up um, compared to this one. This was, uh, no, I think, um, anyway, I, I digress. But yeah, they've not had to do that. Like I say, this century, probably not since Punk and Droblet came out, but they have tended to stick. I think the slam dunk um, thing has really taken most of the US punk bands and sort of put them on their own little version of the Warped Tour over here, I think. Anyway, that seems to be my recollection of it because sometimes you get like the lock-up slash slam dunk thing at Leeds Festival and Reading and stuff, but... Yeah, they don't. They don't need to. They don't need to do. Uh, uh, then yeah, they're not really one for sort of those like secret intimate shows and stuff, are they? Like, don't tell anyone. Or you know, this is our fan club only thing. Yeah, which is quite. It's kind of kind of a shame that um, no one under the age of forty ever saw him in a properly intimate venue in the UK. Yeah, and and then very and then apparently very few of them anyway, which is uh, which is a great shame, like you say, but. Uh, you know, but I mean, to be honest, um, judging by the the people that you've been putting on and the uh, time that you've done it, you must be able to console yourself with just the sheer quantity of bands that you've been able to uh, be involved with over those years anyway. I've got no complaints this end, no. 
sure. And it's also like really Absolutely. impressive to see everything going so strong as well. Like I've been, I've, I've had a look at the lineup on New Cross Inn in terms of like upcoming shows over the next few months, and it's uh, it it seems very alive, well, and you know, um, full of exciting bands. So th- that must be brilliant that it's still mm. like a like an ongoing thing. Like you, like uh, I know the last couple of years have been a nightmare, particularly for people working in ind- independent venues. But it must be lovely to know that you know, kind of through the other side and you can uh, continue forwards. I mean, I think it's quite inspirational. Yeah. yeah. And um, yeah, we are finding that we're getting such as the reputation of the venue now that I think a lot of times when we get the bigger acts that I would argue are far too big for us, it's because they want to come and play a venue like that. It's like we had Madball play in February oh. and, and they, they told me it's one of their favourite shows of recent years because it was an old school punk rock show. Yeah. And then, yeah, we, we announced a show for the Bronx this week, oh, which is they're my favorite band in the whole world. <laughs> you just said the magic word for red. <laughs> when, yeah. yeah they're, they're, doing a, they're doing a couple of um, little shows around festivals. They're doing us join us in Southampton. I think rescue rooms in Nottingham. Doing, oh, I might go. I might go to Nottingham then, because I know like they're supporting uh, Rancid on tour, but they're also playing yes, Manchester no, Victoria Warehouse, which I used to used. To, I just hate that venue so much. <laughs> I used to live next to it, and it was just, it's just a nightmare to get a taxi to. Um, but thank you for letting me know they're on at the rescue rooms because I, I'm definitely going to go to that show. Yeah, as of as of right now, um, they'll be on sale this Friday at ten AM. So I'd uh, nice. I'm, I'm gonna get, keep your eyes <laughs> For those playing the home game, we're recording this on Wednesday evening. So Red is just going to take a moment to put an alarm in their phone. All, all done. <laughs> okay, good. <laughs> oh, you know it's the inside scoop you get on this. This will be out in roughly two weeks, by the way. Yeah, no. I so, think <laughs> Never mind. Um, no, but that's uh, that's that's super exciting. I know um, it is that thing, isn't it? Where a lot of bands, bands who are sort of doing well enough to be playing larger venues, they've got the fan base that requires an O2 or some kind of venue like that, and then they're they're in the brilliant position of being nostalgic for the smaller intimate rooms that they probably at the time couldn't wait to get out of <laughs> and, and have a bit more sort of get from a stability perspective not a you know snobby perspective but just from a sort of oh we'd really love to be able to make this an actual viable <laughs> living and playing somewhere like a bigger venue would be uh, evidence that you are that so yeah it is uh, it's lovely that's a great mad ball on the bro that's that's fantastic so um the uh, you, have you ever had someone who you sort of booked in and you thought, um, boy, I hope this lot make it, and then they ended up just being stratospherically popular? Oh, I don't think anyone has gone proper stratospheric because, like, someone that now works with us, he put on a very early London show for the Menzingers, mm. who are now above and beyond big. Um, yeah. I mean, there's there's bands that started out as like getting paid thirty pound and a beer each to open a show that are now able to sell us out in their own right over the course of like you know it took six seven years to get there. That's amazing. Yeah, that is that's always lovely, isn't it? Yeah, that's, we see uh, Red and I are both uh, stand ups, and we see you know you you do sort of 
and we've both run shows you run shows now I've, I've put a few on occasionally and sometimes you do think oh yeah that that person i i gave 15 pounds expenses to do 10 minutes in the middle oh look at them on the tv oh that's good <laughs> no happy for him happy for him <laughs> uh no but no but you know what i mean it is it is genuinely nice to see that with the you know you see that sort of uh, progression go on that's great um we're going to go back to the list here um do you have a favorite no effects album not really i mean punk and drublick is obvious for a reason so <laughs> You know, it'd be remiss of me not to mention it. But maybe Pump Up the Valium just because it's the first album I bought on release day. And I was super uh, excited on the build up to it. It's like a new NoFX album. And yeah, I got that the day it came out. And yeah, a, a vital album in like when I was 16, 17, maybe. Pump Up the Valium is, uh, is, is really, really great. Partners' uh, daughter doesn't get. I love it should do. That should have been a single. <laughs> oh yeah, it's good that one. No, like you say, I forget. I, I, I was listening to that while I was doing some work the other day, and uh, yeah, I forgot how it really is it is a fantastic bit of work, and it's sort of quite cohesive as well. It doesn't feel like a sort of collection of the songs that were written most recently. Yeah, there's a a, a, a real like um, white trash is really good, but it's really so many different things going on on that album without any sort of through line not that it has to be you know it can just be a collection of your latest songs but um i think that as as an actual album as a thing to listen to in one go it really does hold up as something really quite great yeah i think that's, that, that's a kind of the era where i think they started um caring a little bit more about you know, track listings because yeah some of the early albums seem a little bit like we'll just put them there <laughs> that'll work <laughs> Oh, we better put the jokiest song at the end. That'll do. Yeah, we'll, we'll, yeah it's always like, there's your pudding. <laughs> it's, you know, you've, 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 had, you've had all your punk rock vegetables. <laughs> Apparently there's, there's at least one more studio album coming out from No Effects after they finish this big tour. I, I wouldn't be surprised if there's many albums coming out and they just don't, just don't play them live yeah, anymore. Yeah, I, I that's think that's part, my yeah. understanding is that they're going to continue to be a studio band or, or record studio albums. I wouldn't be surprised. Um, maybe I'm completely wrong and I've gone a bit insane, but I think they might <laughs> do what Taylor Swift's doing. <laughs> and I think they might re-record some of their albums. I mean, it wouldn't make as much sense for them because I understand they do actually own their original work. So maybe it wouldn't make any sense really. But I, I could see them re I don't know, like, uh, would, I'd find it really interesting if they re-recorded something like uh, Liberal Animation uh, as the band they are today. I'd find that really, really interesting. They may well do that, and it would be artistic rather than yeah. financial. I know they did, um, they re- released Ribbed as a live in a dive. Out of all the albums, they went for Ribbed for that <laughs> live album. But I think it's possibly because of, you know, wanting to, make a, a good version of it not one that springs to mind where i go oh if you like no effects here you go try this one it looks like a johnny that's a bit of a no effects <laughs> move isn't it to do the to, to do the sort of slightly more questionable thing or the weirder thing than uh you know whatever you're going to uh expect yeah. not dissimilar from the orchestra decline 
thing. Oh, well, that's wonderful. I, I oh gosh, I, I love that. So maybe they're going to do just all of their albums again, but like S and M Metallica style. <laughs> yeah, I recall that the the original one that just Baz did um, mm. was done in one take because he didn't have the budget to afford the musicians for so long, so they just did it. Like, here's the sheet music, go. you got yeah. 20 minutes. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> how, long is the, how long is the song? It's 19 minutes, right? Well, we've got 20 <laughs> minutes. So say hello to the person next to you and rosin up your bow. We're starting. It's such an achievement that I, uh, yeah, I almost forgot about that. We'll have to go through all of the, uh, the decline uh, versions in an episode red. There's Absolutely. some homework for you. Paul, director of New Cross Inn, do you have a favourite NoFX lyric? So I thought about this, and the answer is not particularly. Um, okay. I am notoriously terrible at listening to lyrics by anyone. As any good punk rock fan. Yeah, and especially, especially of NoFX, because there's so many references I don't get because, well, no one does because they're literally directed at an individual person from San Francisco in 1987. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah, that is true, like, yeah. What does this collection of words mean? But um, yeah. to be fair, the older I get, the more sentimental I get. So it's um, like, I'm so sorry, Tony, off of First Ditch Effort. Oh, yeah. That's totally. Yeah. And um, the line about um, it being weird to take photos of your best friend, it's like, yep, that's something that um, particularly me and my almost always male friends never do. It is like, oh, we should get a photo. Mm, yeah. I've been actively getting photos with my friends since since that actually since I heard that, and I thought, oh, jeez. But yeah, uh, I'm so sorry, Tony. Is uh, a very very moving and effective piece of work from the same guy who wrote my vagina. Yeah, and drugs are good. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Dr- and drugs are good. Yeah. What a cracking choice. It's nice. It's also nice to hear someone who's not uh, too uh, hung up on the oldies. Because, you know, I think First Ditch Effort is up there with their best yeah. work, personally. No, highly underrated album. Mm-hmm. Do you have a favourite memory of No Effects? Be it watching them or just something where they they were sort of a part of it? Um, I guess it'll just be live shows, often at festivals more. Because like, like it seemed more unexpected. Like, what they did at festivals was more unexpected than a normal like club show, for example, you just didn't know what he was going to get at any point. And um, yeah. there's one year at Boomtown Fair where they just came out and just started berating the crowd for all being hippies. <laughs> and within 30 seconds, they alienated everyone apart from people that were no effects fans. And yeah. I thought that was brilliant. <laughs> thousands, of, I... thousands of people just come out and were like, oh, we hate you all. I'm pretty sure that... Uh... One of my best friends in the world who knows of no effects, understands them, isn't really that into that kind of punk rock. And yeah. his wife, who had never heard of them and had no clue what was going on, were watching them and he was laughing and she's going, what? why are you finding this funny? He goes, oh, no, Ed, Ed was telling me that they do this all the time. This is their thing. <laughs> like, well, why do they do that? Goes, because it's funny to them. Also, the singer might have a drug problem. We don't know whether it's a problem or not, so <laughs> we're going to just go with their think it's funny. That'll do. You know, Mike has said about how he finds 
a certain level of hostility kind of appealing because it makes it a bit more exciting and a bit more like he seems to be quite fixated on what it was like being a punk in the 80s in Los Angeles yeah which seems to be uh dangerous and unpleasant if the book's anything <laughs> to go by and humorless back then as well yes quite po-faced <laughs> Oh, this is, this is a question that uh, a lot of people find to be a bit of a head-scratcher. So um, what do you think, Paul, of New Cross Inn is a good or maybe even the best way to introduce no effects to someone who isn't a fan of theirs or isn't aware of them or what have you? Probably go for the... Um... What is the song? I'm, the the pop song from Errorism, <laughs> which name? Oh, Franco on American. On American. We start with here's a song that's accessible musically, and then I'd um, depending on if they were a um, like a reader or a watcher, I'd either go watch backstage passport or read Hepatitis Bathtub, mm-hmm. and then listen to the music from there. Well, that that was the exact answer that I gave to this question in, in, in it when was, I got asked it. Because there's something about Franco on American in the, uh, you know, as Paul said, uh, you know, it's um, it's an accessible song. It's one of their more poppy songs. Hmm. But I also think uh, culturally, it gives them a context. Uh, you know, if you're if you're old enough to remember the Bush administration, I think you can kind of place no effects historically um so I, I i think it's a great answer we could play someone six pack girls or cops and donuts but i think <laughs> <laughs> yeah not even introducing them to anyone yeah truck stop blues is not gonna make it well to be honest if they were if they got super into that then i think a lot of the rest of their stuff would be grossly <laughs> disappointing we've only got a couple of questions left what do you think no effects legacy is independence above all in my opinion it being so diy for so long and everything on their own terms is a uh, admirable absolutely I, I i don't think it can be overstated either because it it just has been the whole way through yeah like in terms of if if punk is doing what you want when you want they're the ultimate <laughs> yeah absolutely and they've and they've been shrewd enough to make that work for themselves so that they continue to do it. I mean, there's really nothing more needs to be said there. I don't know why I carried on for so long. <laughs> We've got one final question to ask, and people sometimes find this the hardest. So, uh, Paul, who's your favourite member of No Effects? So it's only been recent years that this is my... It's never going to change, and it's all because of the book. It'll be... Oh, yeah. Eric Sandin. Interesting. Interesting. Oh, I love it. I love it. I, Purely because went from the worst person to what seems to be like one of the nicest people in the world now. Yeah, yeah. Absolute little scumbag <laughs> to uh, to an absolute, absolute diamond. Yeah, the book, um, the book is really, really enlightening. I think it's a really interesting book for even if you never listen to a no effects record, just hearing these four people and how their lives come, it, it's wild. Who who was it up until uh, the book? I, mean, I always like Melvin because okay. of his um, accordion solos when he used to oh, do yeah, that yeah. shows, and 
I just like the way he was on stage, really. I mean, I like them all. Like, like you know, Hefe's hilarious and Fat Mike's yeah, fat. Yeah. Yeah. Eddie, correct me if I'm wrong. Have all previous guests said the same answer? Everyone has said the same answer up until today, yep. That's interesting, isn't it? It is, yep. Everyone else, which is Red, myself, uh, Chaz from Lightyear, and Robin from Random Hand. Every single one of us is a Melvin. <laughs> Sorry, I'm making us. I'm making us sound like we're doing Sex in the City, but with no effects. It's like I'm completely a Melvin. <laughs> oh, honestly. <laughs> oh wow! If there's not a BuzzFeed quiz, which no effects are you? Uh, we should make one. The guy who produced Punk and Drublick described Sandin as having the best right foot in the business. Said no other drummer can compete with his kick pedal work. Yeah, I mean, and the fact that he does it with one foot as well. Yes. Yeah. Right, he does not need a double foot. No, he doesn't. No, absolutely. And the stuff he does is is just wild. You've got a lot of love for the uh, the Hepatitis Bathtub book, I can see. And Yeah, no, I just wasn't expecting it. But when I read it, I was like, are you kidding me? <laughs> like, so I, knew yeah, some, yeah. I knew some of the stuff, but then like some of like, the really dark stuff, I was like, this is... This is going to be a ride. There's some really harrowing stuff in there, particularly in the sort of the 80s scene and like really interesting stuff about all the different like gangs and stuff in the punk scene and stuff like that. It's like you know, suicidal tendencies, whilst remembered mainly as a band, was mainly a gang. <laughs> <laughs> Only the four members of the band are actually the band. The rest of them were an actual, you know, legitimate street gang. And it's just wild that that was a thing for the audience at home for people listening what's the best way to support like grassroots and independent venues now in 2023 would you say i mean speaking from a position of privilege aka i work in music yeah it's an easy to go to as many gigs as i can possibly get to <laughs> but it is like you know i'm not so um Naive, I think people just go and check out any old live gig yeah. going on. But there's bands influenced by everyone's favorite bands playing uh, independent places week in, week out. So go find a punk show or an indie show, if that's your bag, mm-hmm. and things like that. Mm. Go to the gigs, buy drinks. That it's literally that simple, really. And for someone looking to like get into the business, like uh, you know, w- would you always encourage people to be promoting their own shows and and, and business like that? Yeah, like it's not too difficult to put something together. You can hire hire the cheapest place you can. Yeah. Promise the venue that um, your people will drink, which has held me in good stead over many years. Like you borrowed the right to punch show, and then yeah, just tell everyone about it. Like there's no exact science really, but if you if you make it happen, people will turn up. Sometimes it'll be all full and you'll want to quit which i've i've definitely quit promoting three times at this point <laughs> that's um, the official count yeah but then it always comes yeah. back in like, i mean anyone any anyone anyone can i think that's it. really important to hear because i think it you know like it, it's that sort of work that you know i sound silly but it doesn't get done until it gets done and i think that people have to go out on yeah. the limb you have to believe in yourself uh you know the, the whole sort of build it and they will come ethos which is uh you know so instrumental to punk rock um, so that, that that's lovely to to, to th- thank you so much for that, Paul. That's very useful. You're very welcome. Thank you. Yes, excellent. Uh, really, really appreciate it. If you do have a uh, a local uh, venue that puts on uh, punk rock shows or any kind of shows, really, we're not we're not just exclusive to punk that way. We also like Scar. 
Do you know what? We also like Scar. Uh, well, I, I got very excited today because Jesse Michaels and Tim Armstrong are making music together again. Yeah, I saw that today. <laughs> yeah, Raid, uh, uh, what was it? The Bad Optics. Um, yeah, I've just released a song. Very excited about that. Um, they don't need my promotion. You do. So if you have got a venue or you know of one and you want people to hear about it, just send us an email, uh, punkrockelitepodcast at gmail.com and we'll, we'll always put a shout out for something like that. For, to what audience we have we're happy to share your information with them speaking of which uh paul where can we find out more about what you do and uh all the rest of it um i a little while ago it was just like you should probably sort out a link tree so just be link tree slash b sharp b e sharp and you've got the venue website on there the all corners stuff and tickets to every gig i put on in one handy place Fantastic. Excellent. That's going in the description of the podcast. So don't worry if you didn't catch that. It's written down. We'll put it there for you. Paul, this has been an absolute pleasure. Thank you so much for taking time out of, uh, I suppose, uh, midweeks, probably uh, a little less busy than the weekends for you. I mean, what is it now? Eight o'clock. So I've got uh, another three hours worth of work to do once we uh, (laughs) sign off. A little less busy, maybe. Okay, I don't know what I'm talking about. I'll stop making assumptions about people's lives. There's a lesson we've all learned. Uh, Paul, thank you so much. Paul Smith, director of the New Cross Inn and of B-Sharp. Thank you ever so much. You are truly a member of the punk rock elite. Thank you. Thanks so much, Paul. Paul Smith of the New Cross Inn there. Wasn't that a treat? It was a lovely little chat. What a lovely guy absolutely what's uh absolutely smashing tons of uh, really good stuff go and have a look at all of those things the new cross in if you're in london near london or going to london check out what's on there because uh, i've seen some videos it looks like a cracking little venue uh where you could have yourself a right old time find your new favorite band there or whatever and uh, yeah b sharp and uh, all of those kind of things Really, really great. All of that information, as I said before, is in the uh, descriptions. So uh, what, what what did you find most enlightening, Red? I think, you know, I know it's going to be a bit obvious, but I, I think it's just really important to hear from grassroots independent live music venues. Mm. And I really like that bit at the end where he was, you know, kind of encouraging people to get into promotion. You know, I think we, we all we all think about the performers on stage and sometimes we forget how important the people backstage that are making sure the tickets are sold and the audience are comfortable are. Um, So I I think it's really important to encourage uh, new people into, into these industries. It's, it's absolutely is the, the vital, they're the, the muscle tissue holding it all together. It is really, really inspiring hearing him say stuff like that, but you know, it is that thing of um, I heard someone say the other day, it's that thing. If you can't see what you want, make it it's Mm. as simple as that you know so if if you're in a town where there aren't any shows like that going on you could do a lot worse than try absolutely who's going to have a go at you for trying no one well pricks will but fuck them i know plenty of promoters that work for you know big venues now booking big bands and they all started the same they all started booking tiny bands above a pub when they were 15 or whatever um so you know um, it's, it's you know really important to give it a go if that's something that you, you you'd want to to give a go. Absolutely, and in forty years' time, there'll be some people doing a podcast that is probably beamed directly into your brain, <laughs> and it will have been you that put them on. 
It's um, you what did that. It was you that did that. But <laughs> as long as people are still getting some sort of pleasure from culture and art in the, at, at that time in whatever dreaded future I can imagine, <laughs> it, it won't be too bad. So be that. Be the change you want to see in our inevitable dystopia. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, good. Oh, I'm tired. Do send us an email at punkrockeletepodcast at gmail.com. Follow us on Insta. Uh, subscribe if you haven't already. Share us with a friend. Uh, share us with two friends if you're so popular. And uh, we will be back with you next week. Thank you, Red. Thank you, Eddie. Yay! Thank you for listening to Punk Rock Elite. It was a pick scraped and fruitcake co-production by Eddie French and Red Redmond. If you're not following us on Instagram or subscribed to the podcast, please do. The main theme and production was done by Eddie French. Please contact us at punkrockelitepodcast at gmail.com. Thank you. Thank you.